Hospitals can be the worst. They have terrible food. They have terrible smells. And everything can be incredibly confusing around us. But by the end of this episode, we might find that there is one hospital that we really do want to go to. Even if it also has terrible food and terrible smells and is a bit chaotic. Hey everyone, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. Thank you, as always, to my monthly and one-time supporters who help to support this ministry so I can keep doing what I'm doing. If you would like to join them, you can check down in the show notes or visit patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. The modern idea of church has an unfortunate idea or connotation with it that To go to church, we need to portray a certain level of goodness before we can even step through those doors. A lot of times, people will even avoid attending church either altogether or maybe during one bad week because they feel like they'll be judged or because they've had bad experiences of being judged for not being perfect. In that same way, people who do go to church may kind of wallow and struggle through it because they constantly feel like they aren't reaching some standard or level of perfection that they think they see in people around them. There's even a famous saying that kind of sparked the idea for today's discussion, and that is, I think the more famous way of saying it is that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Now, when I first heard this phrase, it was from uh, my own pastor, and he said it as, the church is not a country club, but a hospital for sick people. And if both of those ideas are true, which I believe they are, as we will see, is that all that church should be to us, is just a hospital? This insightful phrase has been repeated throughout modern Christianity, everywhere from small-town pulpits, even in best-selling books. In just those few words, a certain truth is spoken about the church that we so often misunderstand. And the reality that this saying is getting at is that the church isn't a place to show off our righteousness. It's where we go when we realize that we actually have no righteousness apart from God. It's not a museum where we just freeze people in their state of perfection and all of us just kind of show off how good we are. It's a place for hurting people. It's a place for sick people. It's a place where we don't go because we are righteous. It's a place we go because without Jesus Christ, what else do we really have? Mark 2.17 says, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, we definitely don't want to get a wrong assumption about what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that the only people who need him are people who aren't good enough on their own, as though there are people who can be so righteous that they don't need Jesus and they don't need their body of believers. Instead, what he's doing here is he's poking at that idea, actually. He's uh, poking at the Pharisees who Really, as you read the Gospels, they parade it around as though they had absolutely no sin in their lives, and because of that, they needed to point out the sin in everyone else around them. Now, as we remember, 1 John 1.8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we don't want to be deceived, we have to acknowledge that we all have sins, and that necessitates that we all need Christ. 
if everyone is sick and in need of a physician, then that means that if all of us are sick with sinfulness, then we all are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And that's because Christ came to call the lost to repentance and to salvation through his death and his resurrection. And that's the reality of what we need in a big sense. But then wherever we find ourselves, we also have the local church. And the local church is not a place to go when you've got it all figured out and you're ready to hang out with other perfect people. That's where we all go wrong. That's that mistake we all make in assuming what church is meant for. And in fact, for many, if we're going to stick with this kind of hospital theme, the church can be a place where dead people are invited to join us. People who are dead in their sins need to hear about the life-giving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while the church isn't the only means of proclaiming the gospel, and ultimately there's a whole other discussion to be made about whether the church should be a place where we aim it towards unbelievers or if it's a place for believers, but the reality is that we never want to start with the baseline mistake of thinking, oh, I can go to church when I'm good enough. You know, treating it like some kind of five-star dining restaurant where we've got to get cleaned up, we've got to learn all the right etiquette, the right manners, and then we can walk through those doors. No. People who are dead in their sins, they need to be taken directly and immediately to the great physician who is the only one who can revive them. And these people, they need a church. They don't need a museum. They don't need a country club. They need a hospital that realizes that people are sick and can offer them what they need to come back to life. But not only is the church a good place for dead people to come, but sick people, people who have been brought back to life but are not 100% perfect yet, the church is where they belong as well. And in fact, the more that we tell others about Christ, the more we allow our church to fill other roles. If we are just relying on our pastor to, to tell people about the, the life-giving power of Jesus Christ on Sunday mornings, or if we are expecting our pastor to go knocking door to door or to spark up random conversations or to make a whole bunch of friends so he can have really good quality, meaningful conversations— that will inevitably lead to talking about Christ because that is what is meaningful to us. If we are putting all of that weight on our pastor, then we are all going to be at that dead person level, right? If our pastor is constantly having to deliver treatment for the dead, he's not going to be able to administer treatments for those who are alive but need more, need a sort of internal revival or fixing to go on. And so, when we allow our pastor, and pastor, remember, means shepherd. It's, it's someone who is called to guide sheep. Whenever we are able and willing to tell others about Jesus Christ, then our pastor can focus not as much on the gospel. Of course, he can't escape it. How could he? But it also allows our pastor to fill more of the role that God has called him to. Now, what is that role? Well, remember Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 it was he, God, who gave some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that is, to build up the body of Christ. So God gives us a pastor to equip us to do the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ that it, we find ourselves in. 
And that really is kind of the crux, the the central point, what the, what this quote that we talked about, how the church is a hospital for the sick, not a country club for saints. This is where that whole thing comes from. The church is where we're supposed to go to grow, to recognize our sins, to find the solution to our sin. Because, you know, it's it's really easy to walk into church with fear of being found out or pride thinking that we've got it all together and just wanting to show everyone that we do have it all figured out when we really know that we don't. We love listening to a sermon and saying, "Mm, yes, indeed, I'm sure someone here really needed to hear that deep spiritual truth. But if we're going to allow our pastor to serve well and allow our church to fulfill its purpose in our lives, one of the things we need to be willing to do is to have the humility to walk into that church, sit under that pastor, and have the express purpose of allowing the Holy Spirit to grow us through that teaching that we hear. Because that is one of the central functions of the church, is for us to learn, for us to grow. And so if you have a church filled with people who aren't growing, then there's really only one of three explanations for why a church of believers is not going to be growing. Either the pastor is not speaking truth, the people are not practicing truth, or... Nobody in there needs the truth because everyone has reached the peak of their holiness and there's nothing more that God needs to change in their lives to make them more like Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been a Christian for 50 years or if you've been a Christian for like a minute, you know no one's going to have it all figured out. If we are really and truly honest and if we are honestly examining ourselves and holding ourselves up against God's word, we know We do not have it figured out, that we always have room for God to grow us, to change us, to call out our sin, and to draw us towards holiness. But as we live day to day, as we enter our church week to week, how many of us spend those days living like we do have it all figured out, that we have reached the peak of our holiness, that there is nothing that we find lacking or that we need from God or even from God's people who are called to build us up, to serve us, to love us, so that we can build them up, serve them, and love them as well. And don't get me wrong, some Sundays it is going to feel like an annual checkup at the doctor. We'll spend a few minutes saying pleasant hellos to other believers. We will listen attentively to a sermon. We'll write down good notes. But at the end, maybe we do go home and we don't feel much different. Now, we don't want to make the mistake of thinking, oh, if every Sunday morning is not just an absolute life-changing emotional moment, then I failed or God has failed me. Because there are going to be some times, and maybe many times, that our biggest growth, the biggest thing that was done there, is either we were given the opportunity to love and serve others without being so haughty and prideful and thinking, I need to serve others because they need to reach my level, but... Really and truly, sometimes our times with other believers is us just getting to invest in them. Or, and maybe I should say on top of that, we were simply faithful in attending our weekly gathering as God calls us to. And often without realizing it, God is likely planting seeds of truth in our hearts and our minds that we may never realize at the moment and may never even realize later when God does something with those And we're not going to remember that sermon that God had us sit under where certain seeds were built that led to big payoffs later. But with all that being said, 
if we are thinking of the church in terms of a hospital, where we are going to sit under our pastor who's going to build us up, who's going to invest us, invest in us, he's going to help us to recognize our sinfulness, recognize how beautiful Jesus Christ is. If we are going there and treating it as a place where we want to look over our lumps and our sores, we want to see and analyze what's truly wrong with us so that we can get better from it, then Sunday morning can be a a time of emergency surgery. If we're going through that whole week and we're recognizing, you know, I've been getting really angry this week. I've been uh, lazy, not being a good employee. Maybe I just haven't had the joy that I used to have. And we're not looking for emotional issues, you know, because we're not feeling God in our lives necessarily, but we are just noticing that there is something wrong. Then when we get to church, that can be that time where where God has has led our lives and the pastor's preparation for him to say, you know, give a whole sermon or maybe even just that one sentence that he says that God just drives it home and and all that sin and analyzation that we've been building up, it's finally laid bare and now we can continue growing. Now, the thing that we came in that we were sick with, God is starting to heal because of the work he's done through our local church, through our hospital that points us to the great physician. And this ultimately is where we want to look at church as a hospital, right? Where we can either go in there and we can see the reality of our sin, see what we need, and we can repent. We can rejoice that God is not leaving us in our sin, or we can keep fighting what we need most for our health. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If we are going to church and refusing to grow, or if we refuse to go to church because we don't want to grow or don't want to have our sins called out, then we are fighting against the one thing that we need most in life. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance, his conviction in our lives to grow us, to make us become more like Jesus Christ by rejecting those things that we trust in, those things that we hold on to. And that is why the church is a hospital not a museum, not a country club. But we also want to realize that it's not just the pastor's job to take care of us. You know, we can have a kind of cooperative triage, if you will, where God has a pastor or a plurality of pastors or elders over a body of believers, and they are teaching, they are investing in them, they are counseling, they are doing all these things. But Remember that it's not just the pastor's job to take care of us, just like it's not just the pastor's job to tell people about Jesus. As we discussed in the passage earlier, a pastor's primary goal is to equip us to serve Christ, not just in theory, but in actuality, right? The pastor is equipping me. He's equipping you to be able to actually and practically serve to do ministry work, whether literal big ministry work, whether it's just serving your brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the week. Because one way the pastor equips us is by teaching and encouraging us to serve one another. Remember what Galatians 6.2 calls us to. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we all come to church sick, whether it's a lifelong sin that we keep choosing, whether it is fresh grief that's not a sin issue, but it's just something we're struggling with, or maybe it's a brand new sin struggle that we may not even recognize at the moment. Whatever it is, we have a spiritual family that cares for us. 
We're called to come alongside one another whenever we see a believer in need or who's hurting, whether physically or spiritually. When someone is sick, we can take care of them. We're a church family, and the beauty of a church family, like any family, is our desire to love and be loved by them. On a you know, a personal level, whenever my wife or my child is sick, my primary concern is taking care of them. I don't care if I have to keep cleaning out a trash can or repeatedly bringing a blanket and then removing it and then adding it again because the temperature of the person is just all over the place. When we're equipped to love other believers, when we're equipped to love and serve our family, we do so by caring for them. But part of being in a family is being vulnerable enough to admit our own weaknesses too. And so if we are being equipped by our pastors to love and serve one another and to be loved and be served by one another, then sometimes part of being in this messy hospital is letting ourselves be the sick ones and acknowledging it and admitting it and telling people that we're the sick ones that day. It's very easy for us to become so zealous to help others that a church building can quickly just become a group of people holding out a helping hand, but refusing to ask for help ourselves. And ultimately, that's not holiness, and that's not humility. That's pride. A lot of times we are being prideful when we are so willing to help, but refusing to take or ask for help ourselves. It's selfishness on our part. Because we are removing someone else's ability to follow Christ by helping us carry a heavy load. So the church is a hospital, but it's not just a hospital where our pastor runs around and fixes everything. It's where we can help out, where we can collectively as a family care for one another and let others care for us. But this care, this growth, this thing that is called sanctification, where we become more like Christ, where we become less in love with sin, where we are recognizing our sin, repenting of it, and killing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just have to happen on Sunday mornings. Just as we're equipped to serve others, our pastor is also equipping us to become increasingly equipped to care for ourselves. Because, as we all know, Sunday isn't the only time of the week that we struggle with sin, so it shouldn't be the only time of the week that we hold ourselves accountable for our sin. And it should absolutely not be the only time of the week that we draw closer to God. Just as we sin every day, we not only need to repent and kill that sin every day, but we also need to replace that love of sin with a growing love for God. Remember Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This personal time throughout the week, day to day, this time with God is essential to our lives. And as we develop the wisdom and maturity to know God more, we use that to further deepen our relationship with Him. And so while sin is definitely going to be a huge issue in our lives, It's only going to be by seeing Christ more fully that we're able to not only see our sin and recognize it, but even care enough in the first place to want to kill that sin, to want to get rid of it. But we have to be equipped. We have to be regularly encouraged by our pastor and other believers to know how to do it, to know what to look for, 
to realize that we sin because we love it. While we hate sin, we also do it because we love it. Because in that moment, we are trusting that it, it's promising us that one little thing that will make us happy. It'll give us that one little thing that we feel like we're lacking or feel like we deserve. But the more we grow, the more we want to grow, the more that we're going to kill that sin because we love Christ even more. But if we're only learning about God one out of every seven days, then that means that we're filling our souls with something else other than sin for the other six days of the week. And whether we're new believers or if we've been a follower of Christ for decades, none of us can afford to just neglect our spiritual health throughout the week. The church is not a place where for one or two hours a week we go and put out six days worth of living like the world, of loving and embracing sin, of refusing the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We need the church, but the church should also be calling us and refreshing us so that we can serve Christ the other six days out of the week. But all that being said, you know, we've seen that the church is not a country club. It's not a museum for saints to just show off their righteousness. We've seen that we need to realize our sickness and the value that our church holds for us in both the pastor and God's people who are all sinners, who are all wicked and hopeless without Jesus Christ, just like us. But it's a place where we go to be pointed to Christ, to be served by others and to serve others. But a lot of times when we have this conversation, a lot of people, they, they love this idea when they realize, yes, the church is where I go because I'm sick and wretched and I'm just, I'm not a righteous person at all. And that's a great realization to have. But a lot of times people go there for the hospital, but they stick around treating it like hospice. They use the church and God's grace and his mercy and his patience and the unbreakable salvation we have in Jesus Christ, they use that as an excuse to persist in their sin and remain weak in the faith. Now, this is a problem. This is a problem that God's word actually calls us out on. We are never meant to just go to church as sick people, as immature Christians, as people who don't know anything, and just sit there. Yes, go to church, understanding that you're weak, sinful, wretched, in need, but don't be content to just sit there. That's what Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 warns us about. It says, For though you should in fact be teachers by this time, you need someone to teach you the beginning elements of God's utterances. You have gone back to needing milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced in the message of righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, whose perceptions are trained by practice to discern both good and evil. Spiritual growth and maturity aren't just for pastors. They're not just for theology nerds. They're not for super-duper Christians. Just like we would expect a 16-year-old to be eating solid food, because that's a normal thing, God expects believers to continually grow and develop in their faith. And I know mixing metaphors is a terrible thing for creative writers, but you know where we are talking about a hospital, you know God's word is talking about maturity and immaturity. When we're struggling with sin, when we are, you know, enslaved by an addiction, when we are not choosing to control our anger, choosing to control our lust, our desires for substances, for food, for watching TV, whatever it is, 
when we are allowing ourselves to be slaves to sin, that is a sign of immaturity. It is a sign of our sickness. And so we want to go to church. We want to bring those things before our pastors, before other Christians. We want to go there trusting that God wants us to change and to ask the Holy Spirit to make us sensitive and wise enough to hear truth to be applied to our lives. But if we just go there week after week and refuse to grow and we are still stuck in these same basic things, then we aren't going to the hospital to be cured. We're going there to die. And that's not a hospital. That's hospice. Hospice is for people who are incurable with no real hope of getting better. And the best thing that they can hope for is to be just a little more comfortable in their suffering until they die. And that is not what our church is for. That is not what the Christian life is about. We are not called to stay sick with the same illness forever when there is a cure, when Jesus Christ can take it away, when he can bring us to maturity, when he can help us through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit get beyond those basic childish, immature spiritual weaknesses to discover sometimes more <laughs> weaknesses and sin in our lives. But being equipped to kill those sins, being equipped to to invest in others, to serve and love others while they serve and, and help us grow as well. We're all going to have times when we're weak. We're all going to have times where we are momentarily immature in something, where we have a fresh sin that we are struggling with, or maybe an old sin that's reared its ugly head again. But if we have the Holy Spirit, then we should always be trending upward in our spiritual walk. It's not always going to be a straight climb from wretched sinner to perfect saint. And on this life, we're never going to reach perfect sainthood, right? But but if you think of a, like a stock market uh, line graph, you know, with the peaks when things are good and the valleys when things are bad, you know, if you picture your Christian walk like one of those stock market charts, then we're going to have times where things are really high. We're going to have times where things get low. But if you trace the trajectory, if you follow how things are looking, then our lows should still be higher than they were previously. Our worst moments as Christians can sometimes, when we're mature, be almost like some of the best moments when we were early saved, because in our immaturity, we just, we understood so little. We were holding on to so much worldliness that we didn't realize that if our spiritual lives are trending upward, then even in a really hard struggle, because we have been grown to such maturity, because we have been trained by our pastors, because we've been invested in by other believers, because we have walked alongside others and tried to invest and grow them. Even those bad moments in our lives will still be filled with hope and a solid security and a solid understanding of who Jesus Christ is, of what sin truly is, and we'll know what to do in those sinful moments. But that's why we can't leave this statement as the church is a hospital. It is. It absolutely is a hospital for sick people. It's where we should go knowing that we are allowed in despite how sinful we are, how in need of Jesus we are. The church is where we go when we're hurting. But the purpose of a hospital, the purpose of our church, or at least one of the purposes of our church, is for us to get well, 
not just keep persisting in our sicknesses until we die. The church is a hospital, but it should never be hospice. So let's wrap this up by just, I hope, rejoicing in how, through everything Christ does in our lives, we have been brought from death to life, and why our church as a hospital plays a critical role in that. Because ultimately, Christ is the cure. Whatever issues we have, spiritually speaking, and even physically, because let's be honest, if Christ is the sustainer of the universe, he is capable of changing everything. But we should not go to church. We'll, we'll, we'll segue this really quick. We do not go to church for physical healing. We go to church knowing that we worship a God who can physically heal us if it is his will. But physical suffering is not the point of salvation. If it was, then all those Christians, including the apostles who, like, you know, died not at a ripe old age in retirement, they did something wrong. So let us never confuse when we're talking about healing that we're talking about a spiritual metaphor here, not literal physical healing from from bodily ailments. All right, off the rabbit trail, back to the main path. Christ, though, Christ is the cure. Our anger, our jealousy, our bitterness, our greed, our pride, our selfishness, whatever sin we know we're struggling with, there's one single cure, and that is the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died for our sins. He took our place under God's wrath. We have been set free from sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. Jesus is the cure. He is the answer. He's why we don't have to be stuck in whatever sin we struggle with. And the amazing thing is that our passion for God and our hatred for sin will only increase as we seek to know our God more. And what we do is we don't wait around waiting for him to come perform emergency triage on us because we are so steeped in our sin that we can't even move out of it. But instead, we take hold of Christ every day. We turn to him. We get in God's word that reveals to us who God is and who we are. We go to him in prayer. You know, go back a few episodes to my my episode on prayer to understand not just how to pray in some kind of routine way, but the whole value of prayer. We devote our lives. We devote our futures. We devote our present, our family, our jobs, our hobbies, everything that we are. We devote it all to Jesus Christ, knowing that he is our identity. His desires are perfect. And so we desire what Christ desires in our lives. And through that, we see that the, the richness and fullness of his glory is more precious. It's more desirable than any shallow pleasure of sin, no matter how appetizing, no matter how tantalizing that sin seems at the moment, no matter how much we want to just, mm, just yell at that guy in traffic or yell at our kid or, or stomp around the house or just sit there in a pity party or get angry or get into trouble on the internet, no matter how much we want to look at that person and, and you know, gossip about them, whether with others or in our mind, whatever it is, whatever shallow promise of pleasure sin offers, we know that Jesus Christ is better, that we don't have to keep getting sick with the same sin over and over again. But even when we do, Jesus Christ is always the cure. Colossians 3, 8 to 10 says, but now put off all 
such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with its practices and have been clothed with the new man that is being renewed in knowledge, according to the image of the one who created it. You know, we're all born sick. We're, we're all born dead. But when we are renewed by the Holy Spirit, when we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're still going to have moments where we're sick. If we're going to keep hanging uh, onto this metaphor, we have times where we have organ failure. You know, but if, if you go into a hospital with a failing kidney and they fully replace that kidney, you are good to go. You don't keep walking around letting that failing kidney bother you, right? And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. That's what he did for us. He gave us a new nature. We are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer think like the rest of the world. We no longer have desires like the rest of the world. Our identity, our happiness, our futures, the best thing for us is completely different from those who are still enemies of God. Jesus Christ, he saved us from the penalty of our sin. We are no longer guilty before the Heavenly Father. But out of love, he not only saved us from sin's judgment, he continues to save us from its deceptive delight every single day. As we end this episode, let's remember that we should never just ignore our sicknesses. We should never treat the church like a place for healthy people only. Our church exists as a hospital does for sick people to go into to find the cure that they need. But let us never be content to just go to the hospital and stay sick until we die. Jesus Christ wants so much more for our lives. Let's surrender every single thing to him, including that sin that promises us so much life but can only bring death. Jesus is the cure, and one of the purposes of our local church is to point us to our great physician. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. If this ministry is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can support it. You can pray for Ray and Onward in the Faith itself. You can share this episode with others, or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith or following the link in the show notes. We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ. 